Orange in the day, black in the night Stripes in our veins, sparks gonna fly The beast is awake, orange, black and white Cause when the jungle come alive, who day we ignite in Cincinnati, we gon' rise in love In the jungle, we unite in love Drippin' orange and black and white All day when we fight, live and die in these stripes Come to peace, everything day is a feast Time to bust it off the leash In the jungle, drippin' heat Tiger strike the city streets East side, stand up West side, stand up If you reppin' who day Time to put your hands up Bingo stripes, we in it New day, new age, yeah, we get it Cincinnati jungle fitted Blue day in our house, we win it Orange and black and white, we build it Earn our stripes, you know we kill it Bleed our colors, jungle dripping Nasty natty, yeah, we live it Lit the crowd, get the city loud Yeah, we feasting now Fit the bounce, make the city howl Now we beastin' now Thunder through the tunnel From the sideline to the huddle Stripes, we tatted on the jungle When we flex that who they muscle on Cincinnati, we gon' rise in the In the jungle, we unite in the Drippin' orange and black and white All day when we fight Live and die in these stripes uh. Now who gotta move like it on? Uh. Now who wanna move close and on? Now who wanna move on? Uh. If you got stripes, then you let the city know you rock em. Yeah, we got em. Yeah, we got em. Like that black and orange up on Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Bengals Talk with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports and Bengals talk from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Home of the back-to-back AFC North champion Cincinnati Bengals. Not to be a favorite. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'm up to 2,123 subscribers. All thanks to you guys. I appreciate every single one of you guys. So if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel Sports, excuse me, Bengals Talk with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification. And every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chats. So if you have a question that you're dying to ask Jake Liska, who will be joining the show on. I know he's got a really tight window, but he will be on. He's not in the waiting room yet, but he's coming on. He said be on close to 130s it can be but if you have a really good question you want to ask him or you just want to support the show please give me a super chat i would greatly appreciate it and as always i'm coming to you live from the ice cave the ice cage brought to you by t properties t properties quality housing for quality people check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs so if you got a rental property or a or you're looking for a rental property a house an apartment a condo like i said a rental property you don't want to manage anymore you know, give T Properties a, a shot. They will take care of the rest for you. And as always, you know it, sponsored by Jackpot Joey, jackpotjoey9.com. We got the hoodies, we got the hats, we got the flags, we got all kinds of stuff. We also got beer. It's from Brink Brewery. So make sure you guys go check that out. It's there, right there in the heart of Hamilton. Always got a cork bottle and uh, jungle gems. Portions of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund and the Joe Burrow Fund. And as you know, if you don't know, you should know. I'm also sponsored by Betfred. Betfred Sports. Sports gambling is legal in Ohio as of the beginning of the year. So if you have not signed up yet, they're giving money away. Giving money away. Just go out there, make a couple bets. We got Reds opening day coming up. You can bet on. We got the NBA coming up. We got the playoffs coming up. We got NHL hockey coming up. 
I don't know if they got the XFL on there, but I would like them to, to do that because that's kind of cool. Anyway, what's going on, the guy? Everybody in the chat. I know I'm coming at you early. I got three shows today. And everybody says, why are you doing three today? Well, we're trying to get Jake Lisco on for probably the last year. I know he's really busy. So he said he'd come on at 1 30. I've been trying to get Gary Miller on. He's if you don't know who he is, you're watching and you're not local here. Gary Miller, he's a former ESPN anchor. He's also the uh, local sports anchor here on uh, Channel 12 ABC. So he'll be on at 3 o'clock today. I got Jake on here in a little bit. Like I said he was doing a show. He said he's running a little behind, so uh, hopefully he'll be jumping on. And then tonight at 7, so no show at 5.30. Tonight at 7, I have the great Ken Riley II along with Bengals captain. He's going to be joining me to uh, talk to Ken Riley II about his dad finally getting to the Hall of Fame. Maybe his induction speech, you know, trying to get up there. If you haven't bought tickets yet to uh, to go up there for the Hall of Fame induction, I suggest you do. Uh, uh, Bengal Jim has a, 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 a website that you go to and, and buy tickets. So it all could be in the Bengal section. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like I'm going to be able to go. Got the same freaking day as my family re reunion that we have every year. So I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, what's up to everybody in the tra uh, chat? Strangers in there. Who day 88's in there. What's going on? Michael Madden, what do you got here? Uh, what's everyone's opinion on Taylor Lorraine Lauren? I don't see. I've heard that he was going to retire and I've heard he's more interested in podcasts, but he also, I heard said that the Bengals are one of his, his choices. So I don't know. I, I it's a good question. Uh, you know, first I kind of like, yeah, pass on him, but then maybe, I mean, for me, if he's cheap and he wants to come and try to win a ring, might be worth a shot. We'll see what happens. I don't know. We're like I said, we are just at the beginning stages of this offseason. It is the beginning of the NFL combine. I don't know about you by you guys, but I'm I kind of a geek when it comes to this. I, I, I actually got tickets and we'll go Sunday. Uh, we're gonna go down to Indianapolis and watch at least be the running backs and the DBs, I think, or linebackers. I wish it was gonna be the tight ends, that would have been awesome. But that's is what it's happening this week. All right, guys, he has made it. He is a very busy man. He's been on the show a couple of times. I appreciate Jake coming on the show, but let's get to Jake Lisco from the Locked On Bengals. Jake, what's going on, my man? Uh, that's uh, quite a, a photo <laughs> with, with the roar going on, man. That's, that's, <laughs> you a, like it? that's a funny intro. Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> Good, brother. I, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're a busy man. So, I mean, you're, you're but Locked On Bengals is just blowing up, man. You and James are all over the place. Oh yeah, we we stay on top. That that's how we do over there on Locked On <laughs> Bengals. Just just finished recording a nice two-parter that we'll be dropping the first episode of tonight, and then we got the combine coming up this week. James is going over to Indianapolis tomorrow. It's going to be a good week. Exactly. I was just talking about that. I'll, I'm going uh, Sunday. I got tickets to go Sunday, so I don't think I'll see James, but because I'll be up in the stands. James is down, down well, lower. He'll, he'll probably be home by then. But yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I would love to go. Actually, they would love to go is Saturday, but I actually work Saturday. That's when I think the quarterbacks are throwing. But what, what's just what's your opinion in general about the combine? Like, how much of that do you use in your evaluation, or you just throw it out the window? It's guys in t-shirts and shorts. It's a great day for that question <laughs> uh, because Kentley Platt mm -hmm. at Math Bomb on Twitter just has managed to let me let me pull up exactly what he said okay managed to pull all of the nfl rosters athletic testing data which he, he does relative athletic score for anybody who doesn't know and yeah, actually uh, i think he's, he's gonna be on my show tomorrow i think <laughs> great 
Yeah. <laughs> so relative athletic score is how does this test yes. compare to historic testing numbers? So, right. for example, one of the guys that he talked about, he tweeted about this morning is a guy named David Roach, a free safety out of Texas Christian TCU. Mm-hmm. In 2008, he ran a 4-5-3 40-yard dash, which is in the 80th percentile. Right. For 40-yard dashes for free safety. So what he did is he he pulled all the NFL rosters into and 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 has the RAS for all the players on active NFL rosters. Right. And what he found was let me get the exact numbers for you. 81.35% of players of the 1920 players on NFL rosters have a relative athletic score of five or higher, meaning you're at least an average or better athlete. Right. That leaves 18.65% of NFL players attested as below average athletes. And in addition to that, 45% of NFL players are 80th percentile or better athletes, meaning that 45% of NFL players relative to other college prospects coming out of school were in that to use his words, elite range for athletic ability. Right. So, so how much do you use it? You, you got to use it because right. what this tells you is when you draft a guy like Tyler Shelvin, for example, mm-hmm. his chances of being a successful NFL player are lower historically than when you draft a guy with really good athleticism. And so it, it's a piece of the puzzle. It's mm-hmm. never the whole story. You don't just go draft a guy that has a 10 RAS just because he has a 10 RAS because maybe he can't play football. Right. But when, when everybody can play football, you, you want to look at both of those things and, and it's going to be a big piece of your puzzle. If you're breaking a tie, for example, right between two players that you have similarly graded from a film perspective, but one of them tests as a 75 percentile athlete, the other one tests as a 20 percentile athlete, that's probably a tiebreaker in a lot of cases. Now, how does that work when you have a guy like John Ross? <laughs> Because you know you got to throw that out there. He ran, ran the what the one of the highest, uh, fastest uh, forty times in mm-hmm. combine history, and he's has it's been a bust. So you, like you said, it, you have to use it. But I don't think it's the the, the gospel as you want to put it that way. Well, no individual things. So the the overall takeaway and and what we've been doing, what I've been doing with Joe Goodberry for years. Uh, this is our fifth year, I think, of doing it. When we put together our draft board, right. is that it, it's a piece of the puzzle. So like we we kind of weigh different things a little bit differently. But uh, one of them is, um, you know, a film grade, obviously right. production mm-hmm. for for any position where we can measure production. You can't measure it as easily at offensive line, for example, but in most other positions, we have uh, good historical data for like the history of the NFL right. in terms of market share that we can compare players to. And then the athletic score is certainly part of it. And and then there's, um, you know, we, we use some PFF data as well. And so we could go back in 2017 was actually before, before we started tracking things, but we could right. go look at like, uh, you know, what John Ross is, analytic profile would have been and maybe there's some holes in the analytic profile right if you go back and look at some of the production data you look at breakout age is a big one for wide receiver market share another big one for wide receiver so it it is just a piece of the puzzle like i said you don't just draft a guy because he's an elite athlete another guy like this in bengal's history is jake fisher who didn't work out for various reasons Mm -hmm. but you know it's not because he wasn't an athlete meanwhile you've got a bunch of guys who you're banking on so so it's kind of like are you banking on a guy being an outlier 
Or if you like the rest of his profile, let's remove that risk, right? That's right. why I talk about it as, as a bit of a tiebreaker, as, as a piece of the puzzle, where if you have guys that are similarly graded, similar productivity, all these things, and one of them tests like a really good athlete and the other one doesn't, you're, you're banking on an outlier for that guy that didn't test well to then be a productive NFL player versus the guy that checks all those boxes. Right. And, and I think it's even harder. Well, obviously, the farther down in the draft yard, obviously, the harder it is. But that, that's where the Bengals really had to do their due diligence. And I think they did a pretty good job of last year with the first time drafting lower in the draft. And they they tweeted out something uh, earlier today kind of explaining how they evaluate players and, and, and they go and they they have the interview process and all that stuff. I thought it was really interesting. If you guys haven't checked it out, it's on Bengals Twitter. Um, but it's about as, probably about as in-depth as you're going to get without them telling us everything that they're going to do. How much harder is it, do you think, like for the Bengals, like say at 28, and, and for me, not saying we have to draft this, but this is a position that I think that needs to be addressed is right tackle, and that's just because – we don't know about Lel Collins, you know, and people in here in the chat have said, you know, Taylor, uh, Lauren, I can't ever say his name. Um, he got released by the Tennessee Titans. I'm kind of iffy on him, but where are you at? I guess I'm kind of circling back around. Where are you at on uh, the, the, the right tackle position? Are you more of, cause I would rather than fix it. Well, not necessarily fix it, but have a veteran guy who you can put in there and then maybe draft a guy because I'm not sold that Lel will be there be ready at the beginning of the season yeah i have concerns about lyle collins health long term it wasn't like he was playing at a, an extremely high level all year right. either like he was he was fine for the most part he was a bit up and down there were times when he looked bad there were times when he looked really good i think he was dealing with some sort of injury all year he, right. he missed a lot of practice obviously and, and that probably affected his play a little bit but coming out of dallas what did everyone say was you know he had issues he had health issues. He, he didn't want to practice. He, you know, the hip is degenerative or whatever it is. And so you hope that he's able to make a full recovery and be a player for you next year. But I agree with you. My position on right tackle has been that they can't go into the draft not having a right tackle, not having a starting right tackle on their team. I don't think that means, as, as you highlight to Jawan Taylor comment, I don't, I don't think that means they necessarily go spend – $13 million a year on a right mm -hmm. tackle. Mm -hmm. I, I would be surprised if they are there. I don't think they go after a guy like Mike McGlinchey or Jawan Taylor, although they did like Jawan Taylor the, in the draft that year. So, you know, if you're looking for a reason that they might do it, um, but I, I think they need to get somebody. And, and I do think that it needs to be a veteran because I don't think that uh, relying on Hakeem Adeniji or Jackson Carmen to, to go in there and be a right tackle for you at this point, like where you are in your cycle, you're coming off, you're beginning to exit the the Joe Burrow rookie contract period. Mm -hmm. It just seems uh, to, to be riskier than I would want to be. Well, this is like you guys said, this is the time, this is the, the season for the Bengals. You guys put it on locked on Bengals last week for all in. And, and, and all in means – not go out and spend, to me, not spend $13 million on. It could be that. But, I mean, we need to get somebody who they can rely on at right tackle. And one guy that uh, Dale from uh, Bengals and Brewers put there, and I'm going to mess his name up, but he's a tackle from the uh, Vegas Raiders. Uh, uh, Illuminor. Illuminor. Thank you. I, I, kept, I kept wanting to call him Illuminati. as Illuminor. Now, he's one. Now, according to, to Dale, he's uh, was in the top 10 as far as uh, tackles go. And 
their project PFS has a projection like four or five million, probably more like seven or eight, maybe ten. That's to me is around the ballpark that the Bengals would be talking about. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, Jermaine Illuminor is a very hot name on Bengals Twitter. Uh, something that you know jumped out to everybody who looked at the PFF uh, projections, the contract projections. Brad Spielberger, who does a great job of projecting those contracts, has them projected around four million dollars a year. He was a really good pass blocker for the Raiders last year at a right tackle. The reason that his price is probably depressed a little bit compared to what you might expect for, for a right tackle who's played in the league for six years and just had a really nice year is that he didn't really play until this year. Right. So he spent a couple of years in Baltimore, couldn't really get on the field. When he was on the field as a backup, wasn't great. Spent a, a couple of years in New England where he was okay then was a backup or he got hurt in 2021. I'm not sure which of those things happened. It looks like he started the first four weeks of the year in 2021. So maybe he got hurt after that or was benched. I'm not sure which it was there. He was playing guard last year for the Raiders in 2021. And the Raiders were a disaster right. on the offensive line in, in 2021, as, as many people probably recall. But he's played all over. The offensive line, he's played left tackle, he's played right tackle, he played some guard in Vegas, as I mentioned. And so it seems to make sense, especially at that price point. It wouldn't shock me if the Raiders bring him back. Right. You know, that that's something that I certainly wouldn't rule out, but it seems like he would fit like a glove. And, and I don't know if that means that he's the guy that they end up with, um, but that is the kind of sandbox that I think you're playing in if you're the Bengals looking for a right tackle. It's the Jermaine Illuminors, the George Fance, the Kelvin Beachums, the Cameron Flemings, the you know Billy Turners, where you know you're not expecting a world beater, right, but you're not paying for a world beater. And and that's kind of the thing when you talk about the top of market guys, Jawan Taylor, Mike McGlinchey, you're gonna spend 10 more million dollars of your cap space and you're gonna get a guy that's like how much better is that? Is right. he ten million dollars better? Right. Is he adding that much more value? And that's the the tightrope the Bengals have to walk, especially with L. Collins' injury status being a question. And hopefully, we get some some information about that. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe out of Duke Tobin at the combine this week. Right, because because McGlinchey, some, some of his uh, PFF grades, which I know some people like PFF, some people don't, but some of his PFF grades are the same as Jonah Williams, and Jonah Williams is another hot button around here. Or left tackle, and I, I keep saying he's gonna be our left tackle next year. They haven't signed for the fifth year option, uh, you know, like it or, or, or love it, whatever. He, he's gonna be our fifth year, uh, or our, our, our left tackle next, next year. Now, one thing I do want to bring back to what you said about uh, Illuminori, um, how he bounced around or whatever. And Duke Tobin said this two years ago, I think when they drafted uh, Jax Carmen, that uh, offensive linemen are the hardest to develop. They take the longest sometimes. So maybe he's finally hitting his stride, found his spot, found his niche. And that, you know, maybe that's why he did better this past year than he did at the, all the other stops. Just, just my thoughts on, uh, cause you, what, what's your thoughts on developing offensive linemen? How long does it take? It's uh it's an interesting question. I think a lot of times development is more of an outlier than anything. And I think this is actually true for most positions in the NFL. Tight end might be the exception where tight ends like almost unanimously take longer to become, you know, good NFL players than any other position. A lot of right. times with offensive line, you don't see huge changes. And I know a lot of people are talking about that with Cordell Volson as well, expecting a big year to jump. A lot of times with 
offensive lineman for whatever reason. It might be because like if you're not good early, you just never get the chance again. Mm-hmm. And it might be, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy stuff there where you don't get the chance to develop. But a lot of those numbers for for offensive linemen are pretty stable. You might see small improvements, but you don't generally see guys go from, you know, the, the Bobby Williams career arc where right. they're on their second team when they finally break out. You, you right. don't see that a ton. Mm-hmm. You, you generally see guys be pretty consistent. You see teams take gambles on guys that they like on second contracts, like Bobby Williams, but more often than not, they're the same kind of player. And Alex Cap is actually another one where he took some strides with the Bengals. Uh, this year he was largely the same player but he was a little bit better in some ways than he was in Tampa as well and so I think each player is an individual valuation you have to look at like their age coming in look at their quality of competition uh, in college and, and kind of what opportunity they've had and then beyond that you have to get past the PFF scores right you have to look at the player individually you have to turn on the tape you have to if you're not an offensive line expert, which I don't profess to be, Neither you know, do I. <laughs> find, find the people that are good at evaluating offensive right. line play and, and, you know, pay attention to what they're saying about guys as they develop over the course of their careers. So like Mike Santagata, for example, pointing out that from Cordell Volson's, you know, North Dakota state days to his early days with the Bengals, certain things were technically better right away. Even if the results weren't always great for Volson, some of the, some of the, technique parts of his game immediately developed and that's visible on tape so it's really you got to look at all those factors but i I think more often than not you you get this idea that you know you can develop players and and you know maybe it'll take a couple years nfl doesn't really work that way in my (laughs) opinion for the most part like right you, you get an opportunity if you if you don't capitalize on the opportunity when you have it you don't always get that second chance. That's why it's called not for long. <laughs> that's that's certainly one of the reasons. And, you know, it's just it's just hard for, for players to really change. And like I said, more often than not, you know, you go watch a player in college after he's been a pro for a while, and he's going to look like a very similar player. Maybe he's a little bit better in the NFL. Maybe there's some things that are better, like refinement, mm-hmm. more than breakout. Right. You don't see breakouts happen a ton. You see maybe a handful every year, maybe maybe one per team, maybe two per team. But it's not a ton. I think my dog agrees with you. <laughs> all right. So I know you only got a couple more minutes here. Um, at 28 here, where do you think the Bengals are trying to get to? Because these are these are the, the in the draft in general, I think it's tight end, O-line, running back, and cornerback. Those are the positions that I think they're targeting, not necessarily in that order. But a lot of people said Michael Mayer might be there. Uh, uh, the kid from uh, the right tackle from Tennessee might be there, or the other one from Ohio State. Like their names slipped my mind. But then uh, BJ BJ from uh, Texas, the running back, his name's starting to come up there. I'm not a big proponent of taking running backs in the first round, just because their longevity is short, and you might be able to get a guy who's as good in the second or third round, and you don't have to pay him as long. But where, where are you at as far as? what the Bengals are doing on 28 and the pride, the targets in the draft. Yeah. I think 28 is, is pretty wide open mm-hmm. right now. It could be tight end running back would be surprising. It could be tackle. It could be defensive line. I think defensive line seems to be pretty heavy in terms of depth around the turn of this first, second round. So even though they're highly invested in defensive line already, it wouldn't surprise me to see them use a, a first-round pick on a defensive lineman, even though they haven't done that, I right. guess, in forever. Um, 
Bull one drop that far to be worth? You think? I mean, I think Could a lot be. of them were the top, the top of the draft. I think. The, the, yeah, I mean the the really really good ones. There's like three or four at the top of like the draft. Some, somebody to spell BJ BJ Hill to, to replace Larry Ogunjobi. Somebody like that. Is that what you're, that what you're talking about? A position? Yeah, like, maybe. Okay. Yes. Uh, or or an edge rusher or to mix in. Okay. Yeah, right. like that wouldn't surprise me too much. Mm-hmm. Corner certainly wouldn't be surprising. I think there's really good depth in this class of corner tight end for the same reason. Wouldn't be surprising with a lot of people su- suggesting that there could be four first round tight ends. I just finished watching Darnell Wright or Darnell yeah. Washington. The, See, those the, are the two. I always get their names mixed up. <laughs> Darnell Wright, yeah, Dar- Darnell Washington. Yep. Wright is the one from Tennessee. The tackle Thank you. from Tennessee. Yes. Dewan Jones, the offensive tackle from Ohio, uh, State. Ohio State. And then like Broderick Jones, I think is his last name. The, the Georgia tackle is in that conversation as well. Anton Harrison, Oklahoma tackle, I think, would be in the conversation as well. But it seems like, uh, you know, the, the offensive line folks that I trust have very disparate opinions on some of these guys and when they're going to be ready to contribute. Mm-hmm. And I, I often go back to that 2015 draft when I think about this draft when the Bengals are going to be trying to draft for the future like they did in 2015. Mm-hmm. But you, you just can't, you can't have those misses. So if you want right. to draft an offensive tackle to develop and be a starter for you next year, it can't be Cedric Abwehi. It has to be a guy who's still checking boxes, mm-hmm. who tests, who has the productivity, who doesn't have this this big issue in their game that you you, you can't necessarily fix. And, and Jake Fisher, I think, you know, I, I chalked that one up to bad luck. I, I did not dislike that draft pick at all. Um, and sometimes, you know, things just don't work out. But right. the other guy you talked about was Bijan Robinson. Yes. Generally speaking, I, I agree with you about running backs in the first round. I have come around a little bit on Bijan Robinson as I've been more exposed to him, as I've talked to some other people about him. We talked to Sam Munson about this on lockdown Bengals last uh, Thursday, Friday. Uh, and the, the thing with Bijan is, is do you believe that he's a generational talent at mm-hmm. running back? Some and people do. <laughs> Sam said that he's their highest graded running back coming out of college since they've been grading college players, which right. goes back, I think, at least eight years now might be the best. It depends on who you ask. Might be the best running back prospect since the Adrian Peterson. Uh, I've heard. Didn't Dan Jeremiah say that too? I think. I think he could think be. He, yeah, could be. I mean, obviously, obviously, Adrian Peterson was a generational talent. But yeah. if you think you get that, then you certainly drafted at twenty-eight because right. it's, it's priced in at that point, right? And mm-hmm. that was a point that Sam made that I found really compelling. Is when you have that like top five prospect, but he plays a position that's so devalued mm-hmm. that you can get it in the twenties and not to mention the late twenties. Right. I, th- I think you can pull the trigger there and feel good about it. Then you have that, that 1% of your brain that's probably screaming, man, you got to give a running back a second contract again and, and look around the NFL. When you give running back second contracts, it's rough. Um, but, but you really, I think need to think about, you know, can he help you win a championship in the next four or five years? Right. And that's where the Bengals are at. <laughs> is probably, yes, he does make your team better. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a question, what do you do with Joe Mixon in that scenario? You know, what have they done in free agency to that point? And so some of it's a little bit hard to project, especially before the combine, before we get free agency and all those things. I think they are very open mm-hmm. to non-quarterback positions. I think safety would also be mildly surprising unless it's like Brian Branch falling, the uh, Alabama safety, somebody really right. falling. Right, right. But what I would like to see the Bengals do in the draft this year is is – what we've seen the Ravens do really well in terms of scooping up those, those value players that are falling, the Kyle right. Hamilton, the, the Tyler Linderbaum draft picks for them last year, the David Ojabo in the second round. Like these are guys that 
are really, really high tier prospects, but they're playing positions that are devalued for some reason or another, or, you know, they've got one knock that's causing them to slip or just another position is so strong that it's pushing other guys down the board. Right. And, and when you're drafting late in the round, like the Bengals are, you have to get really good at identifying those guys that are falling that you really like. And I think they did a good job of that last year, uh, at least in the first couple of rounds with Dax Hill and Cam Taylor Britt. And, uh, you know, another thing I really liked that they did last year is they tended to draft really athletic guys. Right. And so they weren't necessarily young, but what you prefer is to check all the boxes. You're young, you're productive, you, you have a good skill set on tape, and you're athletic. Right. But exactly. You get to a point where you can't get all those things at some yeah, point. We get most of them. <laughs> right. Uh, and so you have to start to pick like, okay, what can we, what can we hang our hat on in this prospect that we think can develop? going back right. to that development conversation or has a role on the team. Because I think like you look at last year's class, they had a very clear vision in mind for each of those players they drafted and mm -hmm. how they were going to fit both short-term and long-term. Tyson Anderson, of course, got hurt. Jeff Gunter got hurt. Didn't get to see those things play out. But I think that each player they picked was like very intentional. And mm -hmm. I feel like NFL teams probably often feel like this is the case. But when you can do that and they fit those roles, right. then you're drafting well. They just, again, I keep going back to 2015 when they built that team up. And then uh -huh. they got to this point again, right? Where they're trying yep. to sustain. You can't miss that first draft. But, but, but last, year's draft, last year's draft makes me, uh, gives me a little more confidence because they knew they weren't going to draft or keep Jesse Bates. So that's why I got Dax Hill. And it gives me a little more confidence. I'm, I'm with you on that because that draft ruined. I mean, it ended the, the run because you let, you let uh, Zeitler go. You let Whitworth go. You let Abwehi, you know, all these guys, you let them all go. Well, not Abwehi, but you know, the, uh, Sanu and, and Jones, let them all go. And they had nobody to replace them. So anyway, yeah. you you said you got 30, 30 minutes. I'll, I'm going to let you go on this. Are you going to break, do some breaking news here? Are the Bengals drafting a punter in this, in this draft? Cause I know you love, love drafting punters and kickers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess I'll explain that really quick. Um, so Sorry, I had to. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. So so the issue with drafting specialists in the NFL is that the NFL uh, at large is not as good or is not better, is, is not good at identifying better talent and then using a draft pick on them versus acquiring them as undrafted free agents. The difference in productivity for kickers and punters and skill from and kickers and punters from drafted players to undrafted players and you compare them is is not statistically significant and and in fact like a lot of times the best players of those positions are undrafted players so that's why i generally am opposed to using a draft pick because that that difference of hit rate on undrafted versus drafted for kicker and punter is is much smaller than the the difference on hit rate for a drafted and undrafted player at an actual offensive defensive position right so Yes, your chances of hitting on a wide receiver or a running back or a tackle or whatever in the sixth and seventh round are are slim. For example, who remembers James Wright and Lavelle Westbrooks and you know Mason Shrek, who stuck around the team for a long time, and Rod Taylor and you know Jordan Brown. I mean, a lot of these players don't stick. Right. But but sometimes you can get a guy like a TJ Hushmanzada in a late round or you can get a guy that's contributing in one of those late rounds. Auden Tate is a seventh round pick was a contributor for a couple of years. Uh, Brandon Wilson, mm -hmm. six round pick contributor for a few years. Jordan Evans, six round pick. Um, CJ's on a fifth round pick, right? So it's so like 
talking about using a, a, a one of those picks on a on a puncher instead you're just throwing away one of your shots and the draft right. pick is such a crapshoot in the first place why why give away one of your roles yeah on, on a specialist that may or may not be better than what you can get as an undrafted free agent obviously every case is going to be individual evaluation and teams are going to convince themselves that their evaluation is correct because they have to they have to believe in their own evaluations right but we also have a lot of evidence that says the NFL isn't very good at evaluating players and and who's going to be good in the NFL and thus, there's this idea that it's always better to have more picks mm-hmm. than higher picks. Mm-hmm. Um, on like average, a, like a shotgun blast, you want you want more shots at it <laughs> to be able to to be able to hit. I, I like the yeah roll, rolling dice or, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, and you're going to hit some of the rolls. You're not going to hit some of the others. But exactly. Yeah, uh, generally speaking, I'm in favor of using those picks on position players. But it would not surprise me at all if the Bengals drafted a punter. Well, either way, it, it's James Rapine's fault because he always gives you crap about unlock the Bengals. So I, I had to do it too. Anyway, he does. well, <laughs> just to let you know, last year I won the, the to draft Ariza, the punter out of uh, San Diego mm-hmm. State, and God, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a good thing. <laughs> yes, it, it's tough. You never know about that sort of stuff, though. Like that's right. totally outside of the positional right. value. Uh, just to, just for pure punting, he's the best freaking punter I ever saw. You know, on, on tape, and I don't know if he would have been the I, best punter in the draft class last year, the best rookie punter, because that that I think was Ryan Stonehouse. Yeah, that's that, that's a lot of people came, came back at me. I'm like, oh, both of them are good, but that's the one I fell in love with. Either way, Jake, you've been on for 30, 33 minutes. I appreciate you fitting me in. I know you're you're a very busy guy, very popular. You guys are on Lockdown Bengals or killing it. James killing it with uh, Bengals since I Bengals talk. Tell everybody where they can find you when the show is coming because you got a two part show coming up. You said. Yeah, we're, we're five days a week on Lockdown Bengals, of course. So you can find us anywhere you get your podcast and on YouTube, all, all the places, uh, five days a week. And we generally drop episodes Sunday night to Thursday night. So you have something to listen to on your way to work, Monday to Friday. We've got a two-part episode coming up right now. We just had a four-person panel with me, James, Mike, Santagata, and Joe Goodberry talking about free agency for a couple episodes. So that's coming. We also have some combine content coming up this week as well. As I mentioned, James will be in Indianapolis talking to Duke Tobin, Zach Taylor, the offensive defensive coordinators, Lana Rumo, Brian Callahan. Hoping to get Brian Callahan on the podcast after the combine as well. So that could be coming. And you can find me on Twitter if you care to listen to my, in the offseason at this point anyway, inconsistent tweets at Jake Lisko, which you can see if you're watching on YouTube in my name there right on your here. screen. And uh, appreciate it. You, hey, appreciate you, Jake. And, and when you're talking to Callahan, you know, tell, tell him about Strawberry Ice. You know, see if you get him on my podcast, too. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> appreciate you, Jake. All right, man. Have a good one. Me too, buddy. All right, guys. I hope you appreciate that and uh, enjoy that as much as I did. That is the first of my three shows today. So, I know Jake said they're going five days a week. I am pretty much going five days a week, too, on Bengals Talk. Sometimes I talk Reds and other stuff. That's why I changed the name to Bengals Talk with Strawberry Ice. So let's end this thing here to three. I'll be coming back at you at three o'clock. Got Gary Miller on there from local 12, but I'd like to thanks to Facebook groups that let me live stream stream. And I appreciate every single one of them. They are who day nation, who day legion, Bearcat ruckus, radical reds, the Ohio state buck nuts, the ice bar. And then you follow me on all my social media platforms, all under strawberry ice. Bengals talk with strawberries. Uh, Facebook still says sports strawberries. I'm trying to figure out how to change that. But anyway, just look up strawberries. I'm on Instagram. Twitter and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. I will be pulling a sound off later on here and putting it on the podcast. It's on BeanPod, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play. Pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Uh, please make sure you rate, like, and review. Leave a comment. Some more since I fans can find my podcast. So if you're 
missed it and you want to listen to it on the way home from work, check it out on the podcast. YouTubers, we're at 2,123 subscribers. Again, I appreciate every single one of you guys. I try to get as much Bengals content out there as I can, as many different opinions on what the Bengals might do, may or may not do. Either way, it's an absolute blast. I love doing this. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I do. Other than that, I'll see you guys at 3 o'clock with Local 12's Gary Miller. That's your sports, baby. See ya! Yeah.